Hey everyone, and welcome to the Knowledge Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Arbilla, lead mentor at the Knowledge Exchange, where we have courses and mentorship to help clinicians apply a BPS approach to their practice. For all the details on our self-paced courses and mentoring options, check out our website, tkex.org. Today, I'm excited to have Andreas Alt, sports physiotherapist based currently in Switzerland, who has just completed his PhD dissertation. And we're going to dive into some of his work, his recent book, and his story. It's a really uh, valuable topic of adherence and how to help patients commit, engage to their program for self-management of pain. So, Andreas, really, really appreciate you making the time all the way across the other side of the globe. Hey, thank you very much, Dan. Um, I'm very happy to be with you here today, and I appreciate I appreciate it also. Thank you very much for your invitation. And a cheeky plug, if anyone's looking for a postdoc position, please do reach out immediately. Thank you so much. The PhD journey I hear is a is a very tough one to say the, the least, but I'd love to hear a bit more about you and, and your story. So the famous question for yourself, Andres, what's your story? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, maybe it's not that special. But um, I think I should start from the beginning. Um, I'm a physiotherapist since um, 2010. And this is a bit difficult because in Germany, um, to my time, it wasn't uh, necessary to, to do a study for this, which is also a bit embarrassing. Um, but it, wasn't, it was a, a very difficult, um, I would say it's something like a, a college, college degree, something like that. Um, I, I don't know exactly how to how to translate the exact definition. Um, maybe I can um, give you some information about this uh, later then. But um, I also did my um, bachelor degree, bachelor's degree then in 2012 in the Netherlands. And yeah, um, since since then I was pretty interested in in science and. Um, I mean, I, I, I come from a, a very sporty background, so I, I was always fascinated more by the, the, the physiotherapists from, from other countries. And um, yeah, with the time then I was wondering why they, why they were so knowledged and why they talked about science all the time and something like that. And I, I miss this in, in, our, in our field here, in, in, it was in Germany this time. Um, back in the back in the time then, um, and then yeah, I I I think more motivation arised in in my in my brain. I I wanted to to make to to I just wanted to um, accomplish more in the scientific direction, and that was the reason why I did a, a master then in sports physiotherapy, and yeah, I I did a few other things then. After that, I did my first publication in 2016 um, that was in relation to my master's study. And then, yeah, I, I did a few other things like that. Um, I was pretty active beside my job um, as, a, as an author of a few professional-oriented textbooks, which is not that um, high rocket science or something like that. But yeah, I'm I'm I was very I was very motivated doing something like that. It it gives me a lot. It it's it's it fascinates me, and um, it's like a you know a, a nice free time um, activity. Um, and the options were 
were there at this time. So I, I used it. And that was a good idea because I think I could create some, um, you know, some, some substance or some kind of qualification for my PhD then. Um, I started with that with it in 2020. And yeah, I finished my dissertation now in 2023. And as you said, um, now I'm I'm searching for a postdoc position. Yeah, and maybe maybe um exactly as you said before, my my topic is um adherence, especially adherence in back pain patients to yeah, mostly sustainable oriented physiotherapy. And I was also um, yeah, searching about the opportunities that we have in this direction. Yeah, and now I hope I can um, deliver some interesting information about this to the listeners, hopefully. Absolutely, and it covers, it overlaps so many important concepts of yeah. sustainability, of right. adherence, and back pain is one of the most common presentations that we have and um, also can give you kudos to all your hard work over the many years to, to be where you Thank are you so at much. this stage. Very, um, again, I'm admiring all the, the, the consistency, the ironically, the adherence, the commitment on your end to yeah, thank adhere you. to the academic kind of process. Um, if, if we start with some definitions, I, I even yeah. forgot to ask you about sustainability or, or the kind of yeah, expanding yeah. that term. Um, yeah. the, the idea of self-management comes to mind. But yeah, start with adherence and also sustainability for our listeners. If we could start with some definitions, please. That's a good question because my um, my first supervisor, she it's Kerstin Lütke. Um, I'm very thankful that she supervised me. It's a it's a great person, and she also asked me about this this term sustainability because this is like a, a trendy term these these days. So um, no problem for me to explain this. It means, for example, that we should um, <clears throat> take a look at our resources when we try to treat somebody, especially in medicine or in physiotherapy, healthcare in general, because, um, yeah, I saw this also many times when it comes to your posts and to your topics that you are involved in. Um, I think you, you have uh, similar thoughts when it comes to the sustainability character. It must be in, in, in short words defined now, um, it must be as efficient as possible and it's um, extended as, as it's need or as, as necessary um, when it comes to our treatment process. But this is not only up to us, it's also a pretty interesting and valuable topic when it comes to, for example, physicians or the whole pharmaceutical medicine and a keyword for this is, I would say, medical overuse. And um, there are so many different, you know, criteria. For example, it's it's very expensive. Maybe first of all, a lot of us are, yeah, business driven, something like this. And um, a lot of those costs on prices are not necessary because all the pharmaceutical medicine is questionable. Yeah, especially for for physiotherapists or exercise uh, therapists. Uh, sports scientists and so on. Um, we have a lot of opportunities without um, using those, um, you know, pills and something like that. And um, but it means also the energy, for example, 
Um, and that sounds maybe a bit naive, but when you when you think about um, an MRI scan or something like this, um, it costs a lot of energy, a lot of, you know, um, it, it must be in a specific habitat, for example, because you can't do this in your in your living room or so or in, in the in the normal, um, you know, in the normal facility. Um, it costs a lot of um, yeah, energy and a personal it's it's you need a lot of personal for for doing this a lot of stuff and something like this and to keep this all as efficient as possible means this sustainable sustainability term and when it comes to physiotherapy itself i mean with it or i think the definition in general is based also on a few keywords, for example, the, the self-management or the long-term perspective of the efficiency and the effectiveness of a therapy, um, because it, it helps nothing when we, I mean, this is a bit drastic, a bit um, intense formulated, a bit intense um, pronunciated. Um, when I say um, it's not good to chronify patients by doing exactly what they want to um to to feed their behaviors because and this is something you know i think almost better than me um it's not it's not all about their behaviors because they can be pretty wrong as well um it's more about a combination what do they want what do what can they imagine what do they need and what is our professional knowledge when it comes to all that and um yeah i think this is exactly the reason why um, we should we should stay adherent to the biopsychosocial approach um, because then I think this is the easiest way to reflect those things and to um, to overcome them in a in a healthy way. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot there. So the idea of, like you mentioned, focusing on self management and looking at the best patient outcomes that we can get in as efficiently as possible with minimal costs. And that's the financial yeah. costs, the personnel yes, costs, the energy costs that even I like need reminders all the time of the effects on the environment, on the electricity yep. and the spacing, etc., and just avoiding medical overuse. Right. And that would be beneficial for patients. I think we, we kind of forget that. So Definitely. Making yeah. it about yeah. their, I'm sorry. Yeah. their goals and they're valuing their, uh, needs and autonomy and that if we're being so patient-centered i think it's it, it's it's a very much uh embedded within patients outcome to be um looking at sustainability and of course adherence Absolutely. within there so there's kind of overlapping concepts is what i see is there yeah i'm sorry yeah, you yeah say? it's a yeah. bit overlapping no it's, yeah it's right. and then because you asked about adherence as well. And um, this is exactly the point because I finished my monologue with um, ex um, by explaining sustainability. But in the end, I said, um, and you too, it's all about self-management, efficient long-term treatment without having too much, too much costs or too much resources that you need for accomplishing that. And exactly for this, you need a good, a high level of adherence of your patient, but also um, from yourself or from the physiotherapist, in my case, that we are willing to help our clients, our patients to follow those recommendations and those um, 
yeah, strategy approaches or therapy approaches. And um, we have now the, the chance to facilitate the adherence of our patients, but our, uh, our patients um, have to be motivated to, yeah, to follow our recommendations. And um, I think this is, this is the, the essential point why to explain why it's so important to deal a bit with this topic. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would call adherence or I would um, explain it in a simple way with adherence is based on the, on the intrinsic motivation of somebody um, to do something that he, he should do. Um, and it's allowed for for this person or also for us to 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 question this or to ask why should I do something like this and why should this be good to me? Um, it's it's like a something like an exchange, yeah. That that is very um, essential for adherence. Instead of of staying compliant, this is another term in this in this um, framework, which is often mixed up i th i would say because compliance and adherence um um seems to be the same most of the time and i think some some colleagues or some professionals are use it for for the same for the same results or for the for the same um uh, indication but that's that's not correct because compliance is more something like yeah i would say it short doing what the doctor said it, or or the the physician or the therapist yeah without thinking about it without questioning it without asking about the reasons and something like that and without an intrinsic motivation yeah the uh kind of stereotypes of self-management means you just see someone once and then you discharge yeah. early and that's a quote unquote win uh, and also on the other side of like adherence means you have to you know see a uh, clinician two times a week for the rest of their right. life. I think this <laughs> this is helpful to kind of incorporate both and embed both in a very much an interaction with valuing self-management self and also the person's commitment, engagement and adherence, yeah. not so much a compliant kind of paternalistic right. approach, but having both exactly. terms and really seeing how they work together uh, as one and in a collaborative yeah, way. Correct. Yeah, and this is exactly the reason why. Um, I mean, this is also. I think it's for the for the for the, yeah, professional and modern um, oriented physiotherapists or clinicians in general. It's um, the the shared decision making approach is is very essential for for a good working adherence. Um, because that I think that explains everything that you need for facilitating it. Um, that you listen carefully what your uh, what your patients say saying and what um, uh, reading between the lines, for example, taking them serious and especially their problems, but try trying to to develop um, a shared um, yeah strategy that you that you really can use then. Because th then we have this motivational aspect as well, not only the the you know just following an order or something. And I think it's pretty easy to understand that we 
um, are the, the the likelihood of being successful is a lot higher than because they are motivated. They 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 like doing this and they feel um, respected. Something like that is what what counts then and what is explainable with um, shared decision making then. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll expand on some of the dimensions, the six dimensions that you mentioned in, I believe, your your PhD and your book. Yeah. But for the kind of physiology about it, I think, is, is also mm -hmm. quite fascinating. So maybe not a entire uh, biochem neuroanatomical lecture in one, but could you tell us a little bit about some of the neurophysiology behind adherence yeah. and motivation? Yeah, um, I, I I try my best, and um, you you um, yeah you mentioned a very very interesting topic as well, or part of the topic. Um, the neurophysiology is, I would say, it's it's with easy easy words, it's based on on the production of dopamine. And why is it dopamine? Because dopamine is very essential for uh, positive sensitization. That sounds maybe a bit um, yeah generalized, but it's 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 really important because um only if you if you create something like this you are um you create recreate also motivation there's a direct correlation between the um the production of dopamine the the you know the amount of dopamine and motivation and it's pretty simple to um to stimulate this process um, when it comes to the neurotransmitter dopamine, because this this uh, neurotransmitter is is working pretty quick, it's it's a lot. All those neurotransmitters working quicker than, um, for example, the hormones by itself. And um, when you, for example, go in in the therapy room with your patient um, at the very first time. And you say something positive, something just a, a positive sign of reward, you can call it. Um, this could be enough to create a, you know, a, 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 a positive interpretation of the patient, and and that that creates dopamine that stimulates the positive sensitization that you need um, to stay more focused on the positive things than on the negative things. And um, we can explain this also also with a with a with a model. And when you ex imagine you have on one side the costs and the the, the efforts, and on the other um, yeah the costs and the efforts, and on the other side you have the benefits. Then we have always um, to to balance it out in dominance to the um, to the to the benefits. Because the other things are the cost and the the effort is always conflicting, you know. It's always um, fighting against the, the the benefits in 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 your mind, yeah. Um, and and we have the chance of uh, as a physiotherapist or as a therapist, as a physician, etc., um, to to force this. For example, when we when we are able to create some positive effects pretty quick. That our patient can understand, and um, and that helps to to create more or to raise up the um, further positive steps that we implemented in our therapy strategy. But this is 
But this needs all the time, most of all, the dopamine that we create in the in the beginning, and we have to stimulate this all the time. That would be the best um, the the best process. And maybe if this is also interesting, um, it's it's mainly the the dopamine thing is is mainly produced in in the midbrain, the mesencephalon, and it rises up to the deencephalon and. Um, and it works also in the in the um, tail encephalon. Um, I think you can call it also um, end brain or something like that, maybe in in English. Um, yeah, and this is where it's mostly localized. And yeah, as I said, it's 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 a pretty interesting um, um, neurotransmitter. When you think, for example, to uh, or or on uh, park, uh, patients with the Parkinson's disease. Um, they have a, a lack of dopamine production in the so-called substantia nigra. And we all know, or I think most of us know how they how they act, how they react, and um that this count uh, that this results in some very negative, yeah, I really would call it disorders or or yeah, mental mental illnesses or something like this, for example, depression then. And this is what we really don't want if you want to stay adherent and if you want to stay um, motivated. Um, yeah, and I think here we see the, the correlation. Yes, it's super interesting. I've done a bit of upscaling in, in Parkinson's and how to manage and help uh, patients who have Parkinson's disease. And that's one of the oh, common yeah. features. So there's so many overlaps with other, like we're talking generally in this podcast, MSK, pain yeah but there's so many other overlaps within neurological uh, rehab yeah. and i think this can be applied these kind of skills and this knowledge can be uh, uh, there's, there's a term where it's a transdiagnostic in in a way yeah, definitely yeah yeah interesting yeah and re regarding the you, you touch on neurodiversity and 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 so yeah i'm imagining there's certain um conditions that people can live with where dopamine can be a, a little bit altered and um also if you don't mind uh clarifying what you mean by neurodiversity would it be particular uh conditions because i know that, that that term can be um, across multiple um conditions with you know two no right. two human brains and nervous systems are alike there's no such thing as like a standard human brain and hence the term neurodiversity but in this context um what kind of conditions and, and what might be some considerations importantly for clinicians uh, working with patients who may be living yeah. with certain conditions. Yeah, thank you for mentioning this um, topic because this is really interesting. This is another um, another um, criteria I met in my in my PhD process because um, the neurodiversity, I think I should maybe short shortly explain what what this means and um, in my case now. Um, this is, I think, um, we can say today that everybody is neurodiverse. This is um, at least what they, what they decided or how they defined it um, at the 2011 um, Congress of Neurodiversity at the, um, I think it was Syracuse University in New York. Um, and they defined that everybody is neurodiverse, first of all, because it's pretty simple explained. This is nothing, I think you can equalize it with a neurological um, variety. 
Um, and this is nothing else than a, than a unique character. And our characters are all unique. So everybody is more or less neurodiverse. But now we have some, um, so, some differences between a minority and a majority of neurodiversity. Um, for example, most of us, we, I mean, everybody, every individual is different, of course, but nonetheless, we have some, some similar approaches when it comes to the processing of information, how we, how we interpret some information from our um, counterparts, from our, for example, teachers or bosses, or I don't know, maybe, maybe um, some other people in our life. And, and also groups of people, something like that, they all, um, they all deliver information. And um, most of us, I mean, it's about 80% of us acting and reacting relatively similar when it comes to those things. But there is a, a minority of about, I think it's, um, it's world in the, in the Western world, they, they talk about 15 to 20% of um, people that are not reacting in the same way as the majority. And this is the, the, the part or the group that is pretty interesting to us. And I think the most, most common um, minorities of uh, neurodiversities are autism, ADHD, and maybe bipolar disorders, something like this. And they, what is, what is interesting as well, in, in this Congress, they, or at this Congress, they, they said it's, um, it's not a disorder or a disease or something like this, because those people are, are simply a bit special. They have a speciality and the spe spe speciality is based on advantages and disadvantages in our society, because, um, when you, when you think about the, the, the disadvantages, it's like that they um maybe they they feel they feel bored if somebody else um doesn't feel bored or they feel attacked or something like this or also misunderstood or or something like this if you if you talk to to them in in your normal way or if you explain something to them um but on the or or they feel they feel different when it comes to to um to stressful situation for example when you when you when you are in a public traffic situation or something like that like that and when there are a lot of people um yeah messing around and something like that um but the adventures are that they they can be very focused on a specific topic when they are interested and motivated um, I think a lot of scientists or or artists or also athletes are neurodiverse in a in a minority in, when it comes to those um, definitions. And for me, it was interesting because if twenty percent of our society of our population are affected by this, it means that every fifth or something like that. In, in my therapy, for example, has um, this kind of um, specialization. So how does this affect adherence, especially when it comes to um, musculoskeletal disorders as back pain, for example? Um, 
because this is also very, very, um, yeah, extended in the population. And this, um, this offered me by yeah, researching a bit about this or by studying about the, the topic, um, that there are a few, I think it's like, it's a bit ignored by us, or it's like something that we don't um, realized in the, in the past, because I never heard uh, me personally, I never heard something about that in, in the, in my professional field at all. So, um, this is the reason why, why it affected me. And yeah, of course, there are a few things that we should advise when it comes to those people. And um, they are, I mean, initial, initially wise, they are pretty similar to the, the, the gold standard that we should choose in, in general when it comes, especially when it comes to um, biopsychosocial affected um, disorders, um, for example, back pain. Yeah. Yeah. The um, considerations and uh, the the needs of each individual that that we see with back pain needs to be considered in a holistic manner and and understanding how to adapt our plans of care, yeah. our uh, programs, and how we can best facilitate according to the needs of each individual. And I think exactly. studying it is there's still so much, so many gaps in the research when it comes to yeah. helping people, for instance, with autism or um, re related uh, conditions that, that, so we can include them a bit more in, in our research yeah. and also in our training so we can um, best adapt the, yeah. the plans of care. There's a, a big chance, I think, um, because, um, as we as we know meanwhile those those people are like i said before mainly motivational and interest driven this is exactly why you can um, observe um when somebody with adhd um has a problem with focusing on on one specific topic for example you see this at school or something i i, I think we all saw this we all have some friends with uh, such a now I would call it for a, for a short moment as a problem um, because it, it creates bad marks and something like that. So it brings you into trouble. So um, this is the reason why they can't, they can't really focus on because they are simply not interested in. And if you can, if you have something similar in your therapy that somebody is not adherent to the strategy um, you both defined because of the goals that, um, the patient, the patient have, for example, um, you can try to make it more interesting for him. And there are a lot of opportunities. Um, as you said, you, you have your treatment plan and you can change some, some details from time to time. And it's always interesting to get some reflections from your patient. That means you have to, um, <clears throat> to exchange with, with him or with her, and and this is a this is all based on I would say the communication. It's all all a communication thing, and um, if you do this strategic wise well, you can you 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 will um, you will get some further information from these people that helps you to to develop some more interesting details for them, and this could be for example, um, yeah, changing exercises regularly or or 
figuring out what kind of exercises they they like more or um or also when they have for example some idols for example athletes um you can say for example athlete x is doing um a program like this and um he got he 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 shows some results um defined with this and that um numbers and what about you do you do you can you achieve this too or is it is it interesting for you or something like this and mostly they they um accept this because it's it's in their motivational frame because they um they like this 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 um this this person and so they they feel a relationship something like this and um also working with with challenges or with um comparisons for example um a lot of them they they like to be challenged this is what they drive what 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 drives them and if you can in include this in 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 the therapy strategy um it it makes really sense to for the treatment of them yeah or or using for example this is another interesting part using digital tools because um they help to to make it more exciting simply yeah the the whole therapy and it's it's more interesting to work with this because you have to figure out how it works and then you have some pictures some trends and graphics and something like that um yeah something like that i would suggest in this case yeah yeah so adapting to their sensory needs the way that yeah. the, they prefer to communicate and and communicating based on their level of communication i think exactly we're, yeah. we're moving away from uh systemized strict rigid uh program right. plans where we, yeah. you, you know give someone a sheet of exercises or even give everyone the same set of exercises or or provide the same education or have this like a very uh, right. inflexible uh plan of action for them so i think this takes yeah. into account like there's another if there's online or in-person things that we yeah. can change absolutely very very nice points yeah and you you reminded me on on one thing i saw in your um in on 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 in one of your posts and that was a publication i don't uh, i i think it was swan swan or so i think it was the 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 the, the author and that the topic was smart isn't that smart or something like that when it comes to the goal setting thing and this is exactly i think when it comes to the neurodiversity topic this is exactly what it it, it there's nothing that could describe it better i think because it it doesn't work it it i mean of course you need some goals and you need um a, a, a strategy frame and something like that but it's not enough to simply to quantify the the you know the criteria of smart it's not that easy you can't you can't um you can't you can't quantify that that easy so yeah it's just yeah. your memory better than mine i had to search it up but you're no, right no, it's no. swan with two ends and if people search yeah, our discussion so. group it's smart goals yeah. and it talks about how we can't have a systemized process and there's right. a lot of uh, lack of scientific theory uh, behind the smart kind of acronym so i think yeah exactly like this this points to maybe not making assumptions with people's um needs and having more collaborative ways during the shared decision making um, and this can expand our range of possibilities when it comes to how Absolutely. we can best help 
um, to, to with education, with uh, communicating in their language, um, yeah. and with adapting the plan of care. If, if we looked at the uh, the dimensions that you mentioned in, in your book and your PhD, yeah. um, if you can share the outline of, of what those six domains mm -hmm. are that influence patients' adherence, um, and then we can build from there. Yeah, um, this is. I mean, that's the, the those domains are the results of of the of the full research we did, um, but that um, that includes um, um, more papers, more studies. It's not only based on one. And um, it, when it comes to this to this part, I have to say um, it's a it's a very funny thing to me because another research group from UK from Great Britain. They published um, the first, I think they called it multidimensional um, questionnaire to measure the level of adherence in mus musculoskeletal patients. It calls attempt. And the funny thing is that they also identified six domains. Um, that's the same number we did. Um, but we didn't know each other. So that that's pretty funny so far. Um, and maybe even more because I wanted to do this um, in my in my postdoc procedure. <laughs> so um, yeah, this great thing minds. is great minds. Yeah, great, <laughs> yeah, at least this. Yeah. <laughs> now I need another topic, but uh, <laughs> no, no problem so far. Um, yeah, and the domain, um, our domains are First of all, and and a few of them are really um, similar with the ones um, from I think it's Daniel Bailey. Um, this is the the correspondent author of the UK group, um, and it's the biopsychosocial bio approach. For example, the things around motivation, expectation, experiences of the patients. Um, and then the cooperation between physiotherapists and patients. This is also a domain that influences adherence. And we mean with this the trust of a patient, for example, in, in the physiotherapy and the, in the physiotherapists, um, taking the patient's problem seriously, verbal communications. These are the three items that um, are most highlighted when it, when it comes to this um, domain. The interdisciplinary congruence um, in therapeutic strategies, and that means the the therapeutic agreement when it comes, for example, to the to the evidence, um, you know, the knowledge of evidence and something like that. The knowledge also of ethical principles, because you can also offer too much treatment, and you you think it's ethically correct because somebody needs this, but in the end, it 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 creates more negative. Um, more negative results um, than than positives, and so you have to rethink about your ethical approach. This is also an important item. Then the regular professional exchange, and um, yeah, I think this these are the 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 most important ones when it comes to this interdisciplinary concurrence domain, and then um, the influence of administrative aspects. That means, for example, um, the waiting time for an appointment or also legally established procedures because it depends on the country you are working as a physiotherapist. Um, there are a few, you know, maybe maybe you have this also in Australia. I don't know exactly, but is there, for example, a direct access or, or isn't one? 
Is there, um, you know, um, a time limitation or something like this, a cost limitation or also some, um, you know, a frequency limitation, something like that, or that you can't, that is not allowed to, to diagnose people, um, for example, with operative diagnostic systems or something like that, all those things. And from this domain, we, we learned also that um, this is just a part of this, but that adherence is a multidimensional based factor. It's mainly driven by the biopsychosocial approach, but it's, it's based on many different dimensions. Then we have the digitization. And um, yeah, here we have uh, such items as, for example, digital tools must be individualized, easy to use and challenging. This is, um, it seems to be the, the, the advantage of the digitalization in this case. Um, and the influence of competencies of physiotherapists. I mean, this is for me personally, one of the most relevant ones, because this is then based on, on our, on our, you know, um, quality of acting. Yeah. And the items are something like communication skills, individual, individual patient oriented strategies, this is something we we talked about before, and yeah, good professional knowledge in in so many different ways. Yeah, yeah, that's um, one we can definitely yeah. have more control over, and I'm uh, also assuming it expands into um, other professions like uh, chiro, osteo, exercise physiologists, or any coaches, trainers within yeah. this bracket of uh, kind of competencies. Absolutely, and yeah. yeah, if you can expand a little bit more on on some of those skills i think that would be yeah really sure sure um i mean for me uh one of the most interesting ones is or are the the digitization thing um because i think this has a lot of potential and we are not um attached by this um in general i think um this is what i or what we figured out in our in our focus group discussion study um because because the 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 physiotherapists we included they all knew this but they never used it as and 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 especially not consequently um but i think there is so much research and so much especially industrial developing when it comes to those strategy uh, to those tools for example one of one of the first that I um, realized is the so-called Kaya app from, I think this is such an Apple Apple app, Apple health app or something like that. But this is really, it must be, it, it seems to be very effective. There are a few RCTs out now that um, they, they, um, they tested it and, and they showed a, a relatively high um, effectiveness for them. And I like the, 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 the fact that it is multidimensional that means um it's 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 available for for different you know for different diseases for different um um criteria of of being um disordered for example when it comes to the psychological thing or to the behavioral thing or also to the just to the when it comes to the to the understanding of of exercises, for example, um, and it's able to to adapt on the you know on the um, qualification level of 
of the patient. And something like this is very interesting to me. And this was also the, that was the initializing criteria for the PhD in, in general. I wanted to, in the beginning, in my expose that I did, um, I described my, my vision about testing digital tools in, in, um, in terms of adherence. So um, how, how high is, is the, the level of adherence in correlation with some specific digital tools. But then I found only one um, one um, validated or yeah, valid test to to yeah to test this, and that was Mars. Um, and meanwhile, I don't even know how this how this is called in in full length. Um, yeah, but this is something that interested me when it comes to the digitization part. And of course, there are a, a few other things that you can extend very well. For example, the interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary congruence, for example. And I don't know exactly how it is in, in, in your case when it comes to, to the Australian standards, but in Germany or also in Switzerland, um, there is always, or not always, but mostly a problem when it comes to those congruence um, thing. Because, for example, the physicians, they um, sometimes they, they are not willing to cooperate with, with physiotherapists or with uh, sports scientists or exercise therapists um, because something is, is there as a barrier, you know, Maybe maybe they think we are not qualified enough, or I don't know exactly. But it's 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 much more difficult to to create a, a high um, qualitative relationship between those parties um, and the patient. It's it's always in line with a lot of effort that one of those parties have to um, in 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 one of those parties have to invest, and I think. In, in when it comes to this um, criteria, to this domain, there are also a lot of potential in, in future research. Yeah. Yeah, the potential for enhancing the communication and yeah. uh, bridging the gap between the silos of different professions. We Correct, yeah. also have very similar problems with different levels of biomedical hierarchy or just uh, different philosophies or treatment paradigms. So it can be difficult to communicate and then the patient yeah. in the center of it is like hey this is confusing because i'm probably getting different narratives or different explanations yeah. and yeah. different you know treatment directions so they're Absolutely. kind of pulled in all these different directions and there's a very interesting a very interesting principle involved and this is called i don't know exactly if i'm translating this correctly now but we have in this um it, it 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 sounds a bit weird now but it's it's really um affecting medicine and healthcare intensively the, the there's a, a theory it called from the soci sociology and it's called um, system theory and a part of the system theory is the self-reference self-referentiality yeah i think it's called self-referentiality and this shows exactly what you um what you explained right now because when i am for example just imagine I'm a physician or I'm a physiotherapist. 
and I have my own perspective from this, I try to understand the not only one thing, but for example, the problems of the patient, but also my strategy that I um, offer to help him or her. Um, but also, I have also my own perspective um, when it comes to the, for example, the influences of the context, for example, also the social influences, maybe family members, relatives, and something like that. But I, I have no other chance as focusing those criteria from my own perspective as a physiotherapist and the same is 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 um um the same fits to the involved physician the the same fits for the involved um for example the manager of of this patient everybody has a different um perspective for for very essential parts of the recovery process, for example, the problem solution or the problem identifying, identification and something like that. And I think it's very, very difficult as longer you are in this kind of tunnel, um, as more difficult it will become to, um, to get in exchange with, with, other per or with other persons and with their perspectives. Because maybe there are a lot more elegant solutions, a lot more gently solutions, but you can't you can't notice them because you are so tunneled in your own um, perspective. Yeah, and yeah, I think this is complex systems theory. I think this is yeah essential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And, and sorry, I mean this is a it's it's not that i i'm an expert in this, but it's it's also something that I explained in in, in my book. Um, because this also affects a lot of things in, 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 in the healthcare system and also, of course, the adherence. Because this is maybe also pretty interesting. Um, a, lot of, um, the, a lot of the partic partic participations of, of, of one of our studies um, explained that they, or they criticize the physicians that they are destroying the the quality of adherence of their patients and and this is really sad because we should um i mean we should pull on the same cable on the same rope and not um destroying the thing that counts for real because of our acting and i mean in the end we are healthcare providers because we have a we, we have an understanding of social values and social relevances because if we won't have that, we wouldn't do it, I think. So this is really um, disappointing a bit, yeah? Yeah, there's uh, a lot of studies that look at this with regards to the barriers and enablers yeah. for practicing through a biopsychosocial or evidence-based oh, yeah. framework. <laughs> and I think right. without that knowledge, without that framework, at the base of systems theory and seeing how all these parts interact with each other. I think we could very much have that individualistic, overly individualistic focus where we don't recognize that we are one part of the patient's kind of ecosystem and they're all kind of yeah. um, interacting with each other. So that can give us Absolutely. A very much a better, more holistic zoomed out perspective of the influence of other parties involved. It's not exactly, just kind of, yeah us so it's not like all our fault if someone doesn't adhere to a program necessarily like we can do what we can 
but there's also we are part of a system and having that way of communicating like you mentioned right. with physicians or with other professionals in this sphere will and by all means absolutely enhance uh, adherence and yeah likely patient outcomes exactly and yeah it's 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 really frustrating if you have if you had a good and i'm sorry for using the term um evidence based that often but but um yeah it's it's i think it describes what what we mean um when it comes to a professional treatment process because you can you can um think about evidence whatever you want but without it it wouldn't be um challengeable it wouldn't be um i mean there wouldn't be any substance without it i think and um if you try to build your treatment strategy on evidence-based knowledge i think it's a good thing uh, in general nobody can tell you that you're doing something wrong or that you that you are non-professional or something like this and if you if you start with this and if you create something really um yeah high qualitative and somebody else is in, in is is interrupting you by um, giving some other you know some other advent um some other recommendations or um influencing your patient differently and not only differently with the same evidence-based frame but in a way that destroys your 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 whole strategy i mean it's it's really um yeah um at least disappointing but it's it's more frustrating so um and as much as you have to work with each other as as more difficult it could be and we have the problem in in the german speaking area and this is also very embarrassing um this is i think the first time that i talk about this um we the the physicians are more or less our you can call it like supervisors because they write the prescriptions exactly and they are they are um superior to us um defined in the system because we have no direct access here which is which is pretty sad and i think um if i if i um talk about this with you um you you can't even believe this but um because we have the same evidence i mean we have in in general we have the same evidence as everybody else in the world but um yeah we are um we are behind the um the you know the 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 really gold the, the real gold standard i would say yeah the uh, influence of we're talking about kind of systems here and with the influence of different hierarchies of power or access to care yeah. and how that's also in a way embedded within the the network that we mm -hmm. just talked about with all the dimensions or the domains yeah. of yeah things that influence a patient's adherence. And, and this is now a wider web to, I think, acknowledge. I think it, it can feel maybe uh, common, normal to feel a bit overwhelmed at so many yeah. different factors when it comes to like the determinants, social determinants of healthcare and, and how, it, you know, we're, we're just one part of that person's system. But if, if we finish off in the domains, I'm thinking with uh, some, some steps that, clinicians that listeners can can look into can take you mentioned for instance uh 
looking at apps that might be beneficial for uh, patients' adherence to any program and to enhance that, to facilitate communication. But if you if you had maybe a, a one tip or a couple of pieces of advice for starting points within the six mm -hmm. domains based on the work that you've done and the research that you've conducted, what would they be for, for clinicians? I think I have something interesting and I would say it's based on a... When it came to the to the whole process um, of the PhD, I was always thinking about a, a we need a, a strategy to facilitate adherence um, goal oriented. You can call it also a, a targeted targeted um, adherence strategy. This is what what is missing at the moment, and I'm not able to. Um, to to offer something like this because it needs a lot more research but i have an idea how it could look how it could look like and maybe this would um maybe this would help for um dealing a bit more efficient efficient efficiently with this adherence topic and i think first of all it's important to refresh the fundamentals for example what is adherence in general and what is what is what what can you call as a sustainable therapy strategy by your own and i think it's important when it comes to those fundamentals that we should know what does the guidelines show for example what does they um recommend for example the back pain guideline or something like this and it's also important to have a, a basic knowledge about um, the the practical evidence in 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 treating, for example, back pain patients or other musculoskeletal patients. This is the the you know the the clientele I I am involved, and um, this is the first step I think. Refresh fundamentals, and then the second one is take a look at interaction. For example, communication strategies, something like this. How can you improve your communication style verbally and non-verbally, for example, especially when it comes to those, what we, what we, we have it before the neurodiverse minorities, for example, because they are very sensitive when it comes to the, to the communication in general. Um, for example, that you involve, include some, some, you know, some, um, courses or some strategies like uh, motivational interviewing or something like this um a, a bit of a basic knowledge of cognitive behavioral therapy or management is um i think it's really to to recommend and the awareness of effects that you that you know okay when i um show off this kind of um acting or this kind of presentation I have to think, what does my counterpart, how does he or she interpret me? Um, so the awareness of effects is also another um, relevant point when it comes to those interaction phase. And then always, I mean, this it sounds pretty simple, listen and explain. Like I said before, when it comes to the domains, there was one item, um, read between the lines when and taking your patients seriously, especially their problem, problems. Um, that means not that you should follow all what they want, but it 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 simply should show that you respect them and, and you can 
of course you can um argue with your own um your with your with your professional knowledge of course and if this creates a conflict no problem because you are um well well known about communication style so you can um um you can deal with that and then the next step, the third step could be the patient therapist interface. That means um, you should analyze um, the characteristics of your patients between, uh, because maybe there are some, some, um, some points between him or her and you that you can use for building up some trust and some, you know, some, some, some trust of the patient in, in you and in your therapy. Um, and that creates patient-centered solutions. This is also important because the patients, this is another um, little thing we figured out in, in our research, patients want to be um, treated individually um, as individuals. And this is what we also know from a lot of research when it comes, for example, to, I, I read this um, in in terms of, knee surgeries for example if you have an acl rupture or something like this the the wound healing phases are so different when it comes to the to the things you can measure with with specific tests for example jumping or or cutting maneuvers or maximum or or you know maximum uh, repetition maximum and something like this it's very individual based and this is another thing we should integrate when it comes to the adherence um topic and also, um, last but not least, when it comes to this phase, the, the time management is also it's also important because that means a lot. I mean, how many appointments do you need? How many times your patient should um, practice the home program? Do you have a home program? If not, you should create one because this um, gives a bit more, um, you know, uh, that guarantees a little better that um, the long-term effects are achievable, something like that. And then the last step is reflection and adjustment. And this is for me one of the most important ones, I think, because um, if you don't use this, I think there is a, there is a, um, that the curve will decrease with the time when it comes to the level of adherence. Um, and we, we have to know that adherence means not I mean, I, I think I explained that um, well enough, but adherence means not only to stay um, adherent or compliant um, in the face-to-face -face sessions. It's, it's also that the patient should stay adherent to the recommendations that you gave, that you gave him or her or to the to the home program, to the exercises, to, to the, you know, the, the recommendations about um, um, taking care about the stress level or how how can you reduce the stress level? How can you improve your nutrition? How can you improve your sleep and something like that? Or, or, or the you know the 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 office situation, for example, all those things are um, included when it, when it comes to those reflection and adjustment phase. Um, and what you need for this, of course, you need some patient patient's reflection. And you have to um, you have to possibilize this. Um, no, that's the wrong word. But um, you have to make this possible. Yeah, um, 
that means for the future physiotherapy and maybe this is a bit like um david nichols um i think he this is his topic how can you def design physiotherapy in a in a different way as we know it in in the classic form um how can you offer the patients um appointments to update their their programs and what they need to stay healthy to stay um pain free for example um, and of course you need then in the end, the consequence is you need the management of adherence in the long term. And this is only possible, I think, by this um, regularly long-term exchange. And it's not necessary to do this every day or every week or something, but maybe every month or every six weeks or something like this, just for a half an hour or something. Um, and in the ideal way, maybe also um with the use of digitization i think that could be a futuristic um yeah simply a vision of how you can manage adherence in total this is what i would say yeah it's amazing that's a mic drop moment all the kind of list that you mentioned the if if i can Thank you. reflect back what i i was like frantically typing away from my own selfish learning but uh like refreshing the mm -hmm. fundamentals of back pain of uh, right. all the kind of skills that we need like screening of red flags is the first one that comes to mind right right yeah. communication especially verbal, in your area yes absolutely uh, and communication you mentioned motivational interviewing cognitive behavioral upskilling and i think this is external to what a lot of university can provide and right. then we have to reach out and, and seek further sources there's awareness yeah. of effects when it comes to patient therapist interactions I think this yeah. kind of overlaps with just being reflective or reflexive practice yeah. and being yeah. able to notice if we said something and then there's a behavior change in the session, in the room of like, oh, that maybe mm -hmm. I said the wrong thing or there was a trigger word or um, maybe yeah. I could have explained that much better based on the, the patient's glazed look over their eyes. Is, is that mm -hmm. the awareness yeah. of effects is an example? Um, I've got like three or four more. There's listen and explain, read between right. the lines. I think that's super, super yeah, important. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. the characteristics of patients. And even yes. if I saw one of your snippets in your book, characteristics of us, of clinicians, of our kind of biases, um, and just being aware of our biases and then also treating the patient as individuals. Um, exactly. And then the last two was time management. And I think this speaks a lot to our work context and our constraints within our healthcare system. Like you mentioned, access or mm -hmm. limited funds. I think making the most of what time we do have and reflection yeah. and adjustment. And I think there's there's literature on booster sessions. You may be able, you definitely know more than me on it and may be able to um, expand a little bit on uh, some form of keeping uh, that communication line open. And I think there's various options. For instance, if people cannot afford to see someone for a booster session or they don't have access to uh, the funding right, right. necessary, then maybe exactly. an app or maybe right. an online Facebook group or maybe some form of you know, that would WhatsApp, be yeah. digital great yeah. communication. This is a great idea because there's a there's a um I think that's a software or another app. It's not it's not um involved in, in, in healthcare, I think, but it calls Focusmate. And and this and this um and this program is is pretty interesting because I, I thought this this is this is exactly what we need when it comes to the digitalization of, of facilitating adherence. 
because it it reminds you all the time um or especially then when you need it um and it reminds you with a with a kind of an elegance that we mostly i think it's okay to say most or or not mostly but sometimes forget in in our in our regular daily uh, practice it's it's very gently and it, it it gives you some compliments first and now i understand why they use this kind of strategies because this is exactly this this um sign of reward we need to i mean the consequence is um, um a, a positive sensitization a, a dopamine increasement and then we we the, the the likelihood is higher to to create some motivation to stay on track and to to keep going um with the the thing we we started and um i think something like this could be very interesting especially in the in the whole ai and deep learning frame um but now not, last but not least i think it's also important for us because now i talked so much and or we talked so much about um yeah what can we do to to facilitate adherence what can we do to to make it better for our patient and so on but we also have to take care about ourselves because um now i mean i i made a almost infinite sounding processing um in 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 terms of reflections and adjustments and 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 further appointments to get some reflections and so on but if you have a type of patient that is not um yeah more or less willing to change his or her behaviors um anytime you are on a on a i mean you have to give up yeah you have to to protect yourself because that can cost so much energy that you are unable to um almost unable to yeah to manage your own um your your whole day in the end or something like this i i personally see something like this in my um daily clinical practice when i have only one one patient with a with a negative mindset and with that with that creates some obstacles i can't i can't overcome it makes me so frustrated that i have problems for hours to to recover in a way from from this situation and if you have too much of them and um i think this is not healthy for yourself then so okay first of all ethic principles and that means for example that the patient is in 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 the center it's all understandable it's all um um desirable but um it all has a limit i would say yeah focus mate is that app i was uh, checking that out as you were speaking. And I think that's a really helpful example. Yeah. I might even steal that myself for personal kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, cool. commitments. I think yeah. there's, you, you made a really great point. That's uh, really need to stress and highlight that it's also important to take care of ourselves and not put the burden, the entire burden of our patients outcomes on us and what we can do yeah. and we, and having ways to reach out for help to, expand what we can do and and finding resources and support through things like apps i think is a very uh, important step forward so we're, we're not kind yeah, of, yeah. Um, doing all the work for our own longevity and ironically our own sustainability yeah exactly exactly hopefully it it costs not too much you know electricity yes andreas <laughs> but, this has been uh, fascinating it's been super useful 
Um, is there, before we ask um, where people can reach out to you, is there anything I've missed from what we talked about? Just make sure I, I covered all the points. Was, yeah, I think we, we, we covered a lot of points. And yeah, thank you so much for, for having me today. Um, Absolutely. Really, I really appreciate this. And yeah, because you ask um, where I'm reachable, it's I think it's it's pretty uh, simple. For example, ResearchGate, simply my name, Andreas Alt, um, on ResearchGate, or also, yeah, maybe if somebody is interested, um, my homepage, it's um, andreas-alt.com. And yeah, maybe I can I can send you some some further information if you if you like. Yeah, I'll add that to the, uh, after. the show notes and um, show notes, any yeah. LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook as well for for yeah. listeners if they're interested in connecting yeah. with you. I'm I th I think I'm I'm always uh, um, everywhere everywhere available. Meanwhile, LinkedIn also yeah exactly Facebook and I'm also a member of your group so <laughs> maybe we stay in touch there absolutely and for those interested in back pain patients adherence to sustainable physiotherapy the, exactly. the book that you just published a, a month or two ago yeah. congratulations yeah. first and foremost oh, and where can people so find your book um i think um especially when it, when it's um from from australia or so if if there's anybody interested i'm i would be very happy about this um it would be a great pleasure to me um, I think the easiest way is Amazon simply, yeah. It's Amazing. also available as an ebook, Kindle oh, ebook. Yeah. Link that one as well to the show notes. Mate, I'm loving this. I'm very excited to Thank see you. where the future of your study, work, career goes. And again, cheeky plug, if anyone's looking for a postdoc position, let, let Andreas know. Um, mate, it's been a pleasure. Super valuable. Thank you so much. And until the next one, Andreas. Hey, thank you, Dan. I would appreciate it. Yeah. Bye.